stand with me as we worship him. Hallelujah. For the Lord God Almighty reigns. Good morning, Brinesburg. Good to see you back on this Sunday morning. And again, we are here for the purpose of worshiping our living Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, those of you joining us through television, we'd like to welcome you. And uh, those of you joining us through Facebook Live, uh, if you're joining us through Facebook Live, again, in that comment section, let us know uh, that you're there with us. And if you've got any prayer requests uh, or any other needs, you can just let us know there in the comment section. And we'd love to reach out to you uh, in that way. Perhaps this is your first opportunity to be with us here this morning at Brinesburg, and we'd like to welcome you. And in uh, the pew in front of you, you'll see a, a card there. If you'll take that and fill it out, and then place it in the offering plate that's there on the large table in the foyer as you're leaving today. And we appreciate that. It helps us to know of your attendance and how we might pray for you and your family. And so glad that you're with us today. Uh, again, I hope that our 
teachers and our, all of our staff members and students had a great start to our school year and uh, so excited to kind of be back into the swing of things and again praying uh, for a safe and healthy school year uh, where we can continue to do things in a normal manner and so we would certainly want to remember that this morning as well. Several announcements that I want to draw your attention to. One announcement that is not in the bulletin. Uh, I do need to meet with the budget committee and that will be uh, Tuesday night at 7 o'clock and so uh, budget committee which is our uh, pastor treasurer and deacons if you can meet with us on tuesday night at seven and uh, we're going to be going over those numbers together uh, again uh, the uh, mission lemonade stand for this year is going to be tonight right after the service and we're going to be having a special guest with us this evening uh, kathy butler who is the area coordinator for operation christmas child and uh, recognizing brinesburg baptist church for our five years of being a collection uh, for the boxes here in Marshall County and I know so many of you have been an active part in that many of you have volunteered uh, many hours in that particular ministry and a recognition of, of that hard work and how the Lord has used that and so I know you'll want to be here tonight for that special time and then for the lemonade stand to follow always uh, opportunity for our kids to be able to give back to missions and again this year uh, all of the money that's given to the lemonade stand uh, will go to our Operation Christmas Child uh, outreach uh, also, a worship choir, if you have not yet signed up for our fall kickoff celebration, which will be on August the 18th at 6 over in the gym. We need to do that in the choir room. Let us know a good number there. And again, uh, if you believe the Lord might have given you the ability to sing, even just a little bit, and you've been interested in being a part of the choir ministry, this would be a great time for you to get plugged in as we're gearing up for our fall uh, season of, of practices and, and looking towards our Christmas presentation of Christmas changes everything and so I'd uh, love for you to be a part of that uh, and getting a glimpse of what we're going to be doing on uh, Wednesday night the 18th. Um, also if you are wanting to go to our equip training over in Mayfield at Trace Creek Baptist Church that's being put on by the Kentucky Baptist Convention uh, let me know I'll get you registered that's all you've got to do and then to just show up then on uh, the night of the 16th and uh, we'll, we'll, I'm sure that it'll be a great training time for you and a great opportunity for you uh, to be equipped for whatever that area of ministry is the Lord has called you to here at Brinesburg. So a lot going on. Make sure that you do read the bulletin and uh, are aware of those things that pertain to you and your family. Many on our prayer list again this week. I know we've already mentioned in Sunday school classes probably many who need to be added, folks that are having surgeries, folks that are going through difficult times. But I certainly want to lift, lift up all of these needs uh, and I know that there are many others that are unspoken needs in our, in our church family this morning. Uh, some of those are relationship-related, some of those are health-related, some of those are spiritual in nature. And we recognize the greatest need is to see our family members, our friends, co-workers, and classmates who are currently lost without a relationship with Jesus Christ come to know Him. And so we pray for the opportunity to be able to share. And uh, we've had the opportunity this year to be able to go out and knock on doors. I hope you've had the opportunity uh, within your sphere of influence of, of family members and friends to be able to have those conversations. Uh, but again, this week, we want to pray for those opportunities to be able to tell people about the awesome love of Jesus and how he desires to have a relationship with them as well. And so with all of these needs in mind, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to come and to worship, Lord, to lift up our hearts and our voices in song, to pray and to know you hear us, to study your word and to know you're going to teach us. And today we've mentioned many uh, needs that are upon our hearts. Uh, Lord, we got folks that are hurting. 
uh, the home going of loved ones, and they're still experiencing that pain. And we pray for them. We pray for those that are struggling with, with health issues. Uh, Lord, maybe a diagnosis that was pretty hard to take even in the last little bit. And we pray for them, those that are struggling financially. Lord, but most of all, we pray for the lost. We pray for opportunities to share, recognizing that the Holy Spirit himself, he is the only one who can truly change hearts. But Lord, you've called us to obedience. And part of that is to follow the commission that you have given us, to go, and to take this gospel message of your great love to all the world. And that starts right here. That starts in our own backyard. That starts in our workplace and in our schools. Lord, that, that starts uh, in our own neighborhoods. And so, uh, Lord, help us to be active in what you have called us to do. Help us to keep the main thing the main thing. There's so many things that can distract us. Lord, there's so many things that can grab our attention away from you. But Lord, I pray that we would stay focused on who you've called us to be and what you've called us to do for your name's sake. Lord, we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart.
Thank you. Be seated. Brother Joed, would you pray for us? Come to the time in our service, we're able to come here to this altar and lift up the needs that may be on our hearts as we come into this place today. And all of us bring certain baggage, certain issues, certain concerns that are upon our hearts. And this is an opportunity for us to not wait to the end of the service, but right here, the outset of our time with the Lord, uh, to just give it over to Him, to lay those burdens down. And I pray this morning that as you lay them down, that you keep them there, that you'll lay them at the foot of the cross and not take them back up, to take them home with you, but to truly trust the Lord with them this morning. And so whatever the need may be, uh, whoever it is that may be upon your heart that you're praying for, maybe it's someone that's lost and they're dear to you and you want to be able to share the gospel, you want to see them come to know Christ, but you just want to spend some time praying for them at the altar, I, I invite you to come here in just a moment as, as we pray together and, and use this as an opportunity to just cry out to the Lord and to trust Him with the burdens of your heart. And those of you at home, uh, make that place in front of you, wherever that couch, that chair, make that an altar to the Lord and, and just uh, lay down those burdens before Him. So with every head bowed and with all eyes closed this morning, the altar is open at this time. Whatever the need may be, would you come? Our precious Father in heaven, Lord, as we approach your glorious throne of grace, Lord, we do so with all humbleness of hearts, thanking you today, Lord, for just the opportunity and the blessing that we have by coming to your house today and worshiping. Worshiping the true and living God. Giving thanks to him for all that he has done for us. The blessings of life. Our salvation. And his son, Jesus Christ. Knowing that through Jesus Christ that we can come into a loving, redemptive relationship with God our Father. Father, there's many things on our hearts today that we want to lift up to you. We want to lift up to you, dear Lord, those that are sick at this time. Those that are fighting COVID. Lord, we pray that you would be with them. Be with some of our members that are going to be facing surgery, dear Lord, and others that have had surgery and are recovering, Lord, we pray that you would be with them and bless them. Father, be with our sister churches as some are experiencing the effects of this COVID. Dear Lord, be with them in this time. Be with all the churches, Father, that stand on the Word of God, that stand for the truth and the gospel of God's Word. Father, we pray that your blessings be upon our pastor today. Fill his cup till it runneth over as he preaches to us and teaches us from the word of God, dear Father. Watch over him, guide him, and direct him as he proclaims your word, dear Father. Lord, we thank you for your church at Bryantsburg. We thank you for the privilege and the opportunity that you give us to serve you. And continue to lead us and guide us in all things. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all sing together. May the Lord put a song in our hearts as we have been redeemed. Let's sing us with joy. 
The sun cannot compare to the glory of your love. There is no shadow in your presence. No mortal man would dare to stand before your throne, before the Holy One of Heaven. 
It's only by your blood, and it's only through your mercy, Lord, I come. I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I see. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you sing that again. I want you to join with me in worship. Give an offering of praise with me as we sing. The sun cannot compare to the glory of your love. There is no shadow in your presence. No mortal man would dare to stand before your throne. Before the Holy One of Heaven, it's only by your blood, and it's only through your mercy, Lord, I come. See now, I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. Oh, Lord, I bring an offering to you. I bring an offering of worship to my King. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. Oh, Lord, I bring an offering to you. the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. Oh, Lord, I bring an offering to you. Oh, Lord, I bring an offering to
Amen. Thank you, Rockney, for that special music and uh, just what a wonderful time we've had uh, worshiping the Lord this morning. And I wonder this morning if we ask that question, you know, do you have a, a reason this morning? Do you, do you have a reason to praise Him? Do you have a reason uh, to thank Him this morning? Uh, is there something the Lord has done just even this past week that would cause you to, to praise Him and lift up His name and give testimony to His goodness? And if you can't think of anything, if you're a child of God, I'd remind you that He saved you, that He died upon the cross for your sins, to pay your sin debt that you could never pay, that, that he was buried for three days, then he rose again. And so because of that, we know the promise of the resurrection is real for us as well today. There's reason to praise him. There's reason uh, to be optimistic as a child of God. Uh, not because of this world getting better, but because we know that this isn't the final, the, the final uh, result, that there are better things yet to come. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. If you will, turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation, Revelation chapter 20, and we're going to be looking at those first 10 verses this morning, and as we look at that, we're going to be uh, thinking about the, the, the subject of a grand time on earth. As you turn there to Revelation chapter 20, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you once again on this Sunday morning, and Lord, we've had the opportunity to praise you through song. Lord, we've had the opportunity to lift up our hearts and our voices to you. We've had the opportunity to pray. And Lord, now as we have the opportunity to study your word, Lord, I pray you teach us. Lord, make some of these things that sometimes are, are hard for us to comprehend and get our minds completely wrapped around of, of these future events. Help us to understand it uh, with, with a clarity that would help us to recognize that you have a, a grand plan for us. Uh, Lord, there's a there's a purpose in our lives that lasts far beyond what's going on just in the here and the now. And Lord, uh, your plan is perfect and we can trust it. Lord, I know there are many needs again this morning, many folks that are hurting, and I pray that you'd speak to their hearts through your word this morning as well. And to that effect, I pray that you would, uh, again, hide me behind the cross, that only you would be seen and only you would be heard this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For just a moment... I want you to imagine with me. I want you to imagine for a moment a world where Jesus Christ rules and reigns here upon this earth as king. Imagine with me just for a moment a world with no satanic influences. Imagine with me for a moment a world with a unified purpose. Imagine with me for a moment a world where for 1,000 years, Jesus and we, his people, rule and reign in complete and total fairness and equality. Church, I want you to know that this is not some wishful thinking. This is not some fairy tale. This church, this is the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, which is to come. The Bible teaches us that this is going to take place, and it makes uh, reference to it here in Revelation chapter 20. It's important to understand that some view this chapter as being very controversial. The controversy swirls around the use of two words, thousand years. Those two words are found in verse 2, in verse 3, in verse 4, in verse 5, in verse 6, and in verse 7. It's almost as if Jesus wants us to take note of those two words, huh? 
thousand years. The controversy concerns the thousand-year period of time that we know as the millennium. There are three dominant views concerning the millennium that you need to understand before we dive into the text this morning. The first view that many, many held for, for many years was post-millennialism. This view says that the world will just gradually get better and better and better, and when the world has finally reached its proper stage of perfection, then Jesus will return and establish his kingdom on earth. Does anyone here believe the world is getting better and better? I'd like to meet you, okay? Um, I haven't seen that. Uh, this was very prevalent view, though, before World War II. Um, it was believed that, you know, the world would just get better and things would continue to advance. And finally, things would get to the point where Jesus would finally see that, it, that the world was, was good enough at that point that he would return. Nearly everyone, though, today, when you look around, can, can see and can understand that our world is not getting better, that our world is not gradually, but our world is quickly getting more wicked and evil. And we can all see the world is getting worse and worse, not better and better. And so this is a false view of the, of the millennium. The other view um, that some have held throughout time is amillennialism. This is a uh, view that has uh, various um, variations to it. Uh, but the primary version here says that there is no literal millennial kingdom. The kingdom of God is spiritual in nature, and we're really in the kingdom age right now. And so it would be believed that many who hold to this view, uh, they would believe that Satan is already bound right now. Um, if that's the case, I haven't seen it. Um, the amillennial view spiritualizes these verses. It doesn't take these verses to be literal. And so again, this is also a false view of the millennium. The view I want you to understand today, uh, and the view that I hold, and I hope that you hold, is premillennialism. This view holds that humanity will continue to uh, denigrate. The world will go through a literal tribulation period that Jesus will return and defeat the Antichrist and establish a literal kingdom on this earth, and he will rule and reign for 1,000 years, just as he has told us here in Scripture. This is the only view that takes these verses to be literal. It is my opinion that this is the only true view of the millennium. And here in these verses, we have the fulfillment, I believe, of what we see in many um, both Old and New Testament prophecies. We see the, their fulfillment here in these verses and in this particular period of time when it comes. It's my belief that these verses tell us about a literal 1,000 years of a kingdom that will exist upon this earth. It's my belief that these verses describe the final kingdom that will exist in time. And so with that understanding, let's see what the Lord tells us here about the millennium in Revelation chapter 20 verses 1 through 10. Please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the keys of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till a thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither 
had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and below and the beloved city and the fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. You may be seated. I think there's some clarity here uh, when we look at these verses. I think there's some things that, that Jesus is drawing out that he wants us to understand with clarity that sometimes we make too complicated. The Lord has a perfect plan. He has a perfect plan for this thousand-year reign upon the earth, and here is how he has described it to us through his revelation to us. First of all, we see in verses 1 through 3 his plan for Satan. And we begin there in verses 1 and 2, and we see a heavenly intervention here. A strong angel, we're told, descends from heaven uh, and, and laid hold on the devil. We're not told exactly who that angel was. Many believe it might have been the archangel Michael, but we're not told exactly who it is. But this, this, is, a, this is a tough angel. Uh, I mean, he just grabs Satan and, and takes hold of him. Uh, that, that phrase means uh, lay hold on the devil. It, it means to have power over, uh, to be one's master. And so this angel is empowered by heaven to be the devil's master. He grabs Satan and he binds him with a strong chain that will remain upon him for 1,000 years. There's no disputing who the Bible is speaking about here, is there? I mean, Jesus makes sure that we understand exactly who he's talking about by giving every name that we have known the enemy by. He calls him the dragon. He calls him the old serpent. He calls him the devil. He calls him Satan. Those names reveal all we need to know about this character. As a dragon, Satan is looking for those that he might devour. As the serpent, he is ever seeking those that he might deceive. As the devil, he is that false accuser, always looking for someone to defame. And as Satan, as the adversary, he is always seeking someone to defeat. But one day, he is going to get what is coming to him. And we're going to see that here in just a moment. But from all appearances, it seems right now that the devil is winning. If you were to turn on the TV, if you were to look on Facebook or any other social media, if you were to read the newspapers, if you were just to look around you, you would look and you would believe the devil is winning the war between good and evil, wouldn't you? You would look and you would say, well, it doesn't seem like we're winning this fight. But as they say, appearances can be deceiving. God will have the last word in this matter. Satan is powerful, but he is not all power. Only God can lay claim to that title. So in verse 3, we see a heavenly imprisonment. We see here that the angel removes the devil from the earth for 1,000 years. Imagine a world with no devil. Can you imagine that? 
Can you imagine a world with no devil? It'll be almost like heaven. There will be no one to tempt people to evil. There will be no one to whisper lies into the ears of our minds. No one to remind us of how wicked that we were and are. No one will set traps for us to fall into. A world without the devil will be a wonderful place. Without the devil, peace and prosperity and joy and holiness and blessing will be uh, the norm in that day. And while the earth will rejoice in his absence, the devil will be getting a small taste of what is going to await him for all of eternity. We're told that he will, that, that he will go out to that bottomless pit. It's a term that's, that, that's translated into the abyss. It seems to be uh, an ancient prison where certain demon spirits are incarcerated by the Lord. In fact, we're told about this in Jude verse 6. In Jude verse 6 it says, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under the darkness, unto the judgment of the great day. In other words, those, those angels who chose to rebel against God, those fallen uh, angels who are now demons, th- this is the, the place where they're incarcerated. And so we saw this abyss opened up in Revelation chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. And when that pit, when that abyss was opened, terrible demons issued forth, were told there to, to torment those people upon the earth. And Satan will be confined in that prison for 1,000 years. He'll be chained in that prison for 1,000 years. So what will Satan be doing for those 1,000 years? He'll be biding his time because he knows that he will be released, it says, for a short season. Well, we're going to talk about what that time will be like here in just a moment. But for now, we should rejoice. As the church, we should rejoice in the truth that Satan will be bound in those days. That there will be a period, a long period of time when we will not have to endure the satanic influences in this world. Hallelujah. Won't that be a wonderful day? But then we look at verses 4 through 6. And secondly, we see his plan for the saints. And, and this, is, this is where you really want to pay attention because this is his plan for you and me. And so we see in verse 4, the beginning of verse 4, the saints and his reign. This verse tells us that there is coming a day when the saints of God will rule with their Redeemer. Now that's pretty exciting, isn't it? We know that Jesus is going to rule and reign, but we will get to be a part of that as well. And so let's take a quick review of the events that are going to lead up to that moment for the saints of God. We know that Jesus will return in the clouds above this, this earth in the rapture of his church. He will take his bride home with him to heaven. We will face him at the judgment seat of Christ, which is the, the Bema seat. That's not a place where we will be uh, judged for, for our evil deeds, but it's a place where rewards will be handed out. And then we will join him for the marriage supper of the Lamb. We've talked about all of that at length. Then Jesus will return to this earth in power and glory and bring his people back with him. He will defeat his enemies, he will establish his kingdom on earth, and he will allow us the privilege to rule and to reign with him for 1,000 years. And so then we look at the second part of verse 4, and we see the saints and his reward. The saints and his reward. This next part of verse 4 seems to introduce another set of saints. And it speaks of those who endure the horrors of the tribulation period, without tarnishing their testimonies, without denying their faith in Christ. 
Some of these saints died during the tribulation, but they have been resurrected. Others made it alive to the end of the tribulation period, and they are allowed to, to enter into the millennium. And all of these tribulation saints join with the bride of Christ, and we reign with, with Jesus for a thousand years. According to Daniel chapter 7, verse 27, it also promises that the Old Testament saints will reign during that time period as well. So you have Old Testament saints, you have uh, the, the saints who are part of, of the church, the bride of Christ, and you have those who came to know Christ uh, during the tribulation period of time. And so uh, go back with me for a moment. And let's imagine again. again. Imagine with me for a moment what this will be like for all of us as believers. Imagine a world, again, with no devil to contend with. That'll, that'll be an amazing thing. But also imagine a world that is filled with redeemed saints of God from Pentecost to the rapture. Imagine a world where the brave saints of the tribulation period are, are, are living there as well. But then also imagine a world where you might walk down the street and you might bump into Adam. You might bump into Abraham. You might bump into David or Moses or Elijah just on the street. Can you imagine that? This world, we're told, will exist one day. And that kind of boggles the mind today. But that's the promise that is given here. That we will ha ha have a time period when we will be able to interact with these people here on this earth. And then we see in verses 5 through 6, the saints and his resurrection. These verses reveal that there are two resurrections. Now, some people believe in just a general resurrection. They believe that all the dead will be raised at one time and the sheep which represent the saved will be sent to heaven while the goats which represent the lost will be sent to hell. But the Bible teaches something very clear and that is that there will be two resurrections. The first resurrection uh, and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ are included in the saints being raised at the rapture as well as those resurrected at the time of the tribulation. This is that first resurrection. The Bible says that, that those who have part in the resurrection are blessed. Now, why would those who are a part of the first resurrection, why would, be, would they be considered to be blessed? They, they are blessed because they don't have to experience the second death. However, all those who have rejected Jesus as, as Savior from the time of Adam all the way through the end of the millennium will be raised in the second resurrection. And these poor unfortunate souls will face Jesus at the great white throne judgment. And there they will be judged and sent to an eternity in the lake of fire. If I were you, I would do everything in my power to see to it that I was a part of that first resurrection. I would make sure that it was settled in my heart that I had a personal love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the day of grace is today. The day of mercy is today. He is offering you a relationship with him today but that day will not always be there will come a time when it will be too late and, and I don't want to be left out and I'm so thankful that I won't be that I'm a part of his bride the church and that I will be with him but then thirdly I want you to look with me at verses 7 through 10 and this is his plan for sinners and his plan for sinners also involves uh, part of his plan for Satan and so we see in verse 7 Satan and his freedom after being bound in this bottomless pit for a thousand years, Satan is turned loose. Now, if you're like me, you've asked the question, why? Why, if Satan has been chained, why is he loosed? Someone actually asked that same question to Dr. Francis Schaeffer. Uh, why 
that, G, that, that Jesus would allow Satan to be loosed? And the answer was as follows. He said, if you can tell me why he was released the first time, then I'll tell you why he was released the second time. Uh, I think that's, a, that's a, probably a pretty good answer here. There must be a reason, though, because verse 3 says, he must be loosed. And so I'm certain that we're not ever going to fully understand all of the reasons why that had to take place. But I, I think I can offer you two reasons to consider this morning. First, this event proves that the devil is a hopeless and unrepentant case. There is no hope for him. There's no hope of repentance in any form or fashion when it comes to the devil. Even after God has proven to the devil countless times that he is, that he is stronger, that Satan is the lesser, that he cannot defeat the Lord. Satan continues in his stubborn rebellion against God. God has thwarted every plan that has been launched by the devil throughout all of time. And still Satan stands in defiance and open rebellion against the Lord. But then secondly, this event will prove the total inability of man to save himself, even in a perfect world. And what I mean by that is it proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that lost man is totally depraved. There is no good in him. And left to himself, he will always go away from God. There is no one in here this morning who would have come to Christ if Christ had not come first for us. We just wouldn't have done it. Because in our own sin, we, we love our sin more than we love the Savior. And so if it weren't for the grace of God, if it weren't for the mercy of God, all of us would run away. And we see that because even in a perfect world, man still runs away from God. Guess what? Even in a perfect garden caught Eden, we couldn't follow one simple rule, could we? And this proves it again. In a perfect world for a thousand years, we still choose to run away from the Lord. But then we see in verses 8 and 9, Satan and his forces... Where would, the, where would the devil find this vast army in a perfect world? After all, the world has, has been perfect for a thousand years. There, there's no poverty. There's no disease. There has, up to this point, been no war. It is a perfect world. Why would anyone fall for the devil's lies? Why would anyone in this world, in this perfect world, where Jesus rules and reigns in Jerusalem, rebel against God? Remember, millions of people entered into the millennium in flesh and blood bodies. And so some were believing Jews, others were the tribulation saints who, who lived through that period of time to the end. And these people married, these people have children. In fact, because of the perfect health and the perfect living conditions, the population of the, of the earth, you have to imagine, is going to explode during this period of a thousand years. People will, will live to be a thousand years old again. And so the children born during the millennium will be raised and they will be raised in a perfect environment. And yet, according to what the scripture tells us, some of them will still rebel against God. Why? Every one of these little children was born in this world with a sin nature. And so every one of them would still need to be saved from their sins by placing their faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. 
that has been true throughout all of time. That was true uh, all the way back to Adam. It was looking towards the cross. It was true in, in the time when Jesus was, was with us. They looked at the cross, and we looked back to the cross. There is no other way to be saved other than through Jesus Christ and his finished work at Calvary. And that's true here as well. And so in a world where they will travel to Jerusalem, and they will be literally able to see King Jesus in person, they're still going to refuse to bow to him in faith and in repentance. In a world that is inhabited by the personalities that we are able to see in Scripture, the glorified saints of God, all those who have endured the tribulation period, still millions will not be saved. Millions will still choose to say no. They will keep the rules because they will be forced to. But in their hearts, they will still rebel and they will still need a Savior. They will still need a redeemer. But then in verses 9 and 10, we see Satan and his finale. Satan raises this vast army and leads them in one final assault against King Jesus at Jerusalem. But they don't stand a chance. Because scripture tells us that God himself ends the battle by raining down fire from heaven upon them. And in that very moment, in one moment, the rebels are destroyed in that moment of time. And they drop off into hell awaiting judgment. Satan himself is cast into the lake of fire where he will spend eternity being tormented along with Antichrist and the false prophet. And to that I say hallelujah, hallelujah, that the final battle is over. When the smoke clears and the dust settles, the Lord God Almighty will have had the last say in the matter. God wins, the story ends, and we enter into glory. I'm so thankful that we know how the story ends, that we win, that our Savior wins, that we are part on the, of the winning team. This thing all boils down to one simple question, which side are you on, though? Have you joined the forces of the devil? Are you one of those who sits here week in and week out and you can hear the word of God, and yet you never want to receive him? You never want to say yes to him? Or have you enlisted in the Lord's army? Right now, it appears the devil is winning in this battle. Do you remember the illustration I gave back a, a few months ago? It was a, a man walking by a little league baseball game, and uh, the little boy is sitting there in the dugout, and the man walks by, and he says, well, hey, son, can, can you tell me what the score of your game is? To which the little boy says, well, they're beating us 25 to zero. To which the man responds, well, isn't that a little bit depressing? The little boy looks back at him and says, no, nah, mister, we ain't even got up to bat yet. That's where this thing stands today. It's like a, a boxing match where the, the scorecard shows that, that after 14 rounds, we're, we're taking quite a beating. It seems that the, the devil has, has won all 14 of those rounds, but it just looks that way. Because when the bell rings and that final round begins, guess what? Up walks King Jesus, and he is going to deliver a knockout punch, and it's all going to be over. If I were you, I'd be sure that I was on the right side of this thing. I'd be sure that I had a relationship with Jesus, the one who will rule and reign as king. He wins in the end. His people win in the end. And I'm so thankful to be a part of his bride, the church. This morning, do you know him as personal Lord and Savior? Do you know that you know that your relationship with him is settled? 
Because if there's any question in your mind, let's get it straight. There's no reason to, to live with doubt. If, if you, you know, you're, you're sitting here and you're saying, I've got family that's, that's always at church, and I'm here every Sunday, and I'm a good person, and I live a, a good life, uh, you know, I, I'm trusting in that. You know what? You're going to die and go to hell. Because being a good person and having good people in your family and, and coming to church all the time, that's not what saves you. The only thing that can save you is a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Where you repent of your sin, meaning you turn away from your sin, and you run to Jesus, and you trust in Him, not in yourself, for salvation. You trust in what He did upon the cross of Calvary. The fact that He died for your sins, the fact that He was dead and buried and He rose again on the third day. You trust in His work, not in yours, for your salvation. Only then can you be assured that you'll get to enjoy that final day when we see Jesus ruling and reigning as He deserves. Do you need to come to him today? Do you need to come to this altar and pray about a need, maybe in your family? Maybe about a need in a friend's life? Do you need to join this church family? Do you need to become part of what God is doing here at Bryansburg? Whatever the need might be, here in just a moment, we're going we're gonna to pray, and then we're going to have the opportunity to respond. I pray that you would respond in obedience. Whatever the Lord's called you to do, you would say yes to him today. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and we thank you. We thank you that at the end of the day, you are victorious. And Lord, we are so thankful that we get to be a part of that because we are your people. And so Lord, today I pray that if there's anyone here, we have, we have friends that don't yet know you, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. Maybe, maybe some folks that have been here for a very long time, but just never made that decision. The decision to, to, to repent of sin, turn away from him, and just finally say yes to you, to your rule and to your reign in their personal life. And so, Lord, I pray today that that might take place. Lord, I pray for folks that are, that are wrestling with other issues in their life, other decisions that need to be made. Lord, for folks that need to make this their church home, I just pray that you would settle that in their heart and they might even come today. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are Lord. We thank you you are all-powerful. We thank you that you're going to win in the end. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.